Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. This is Kim Greenhouse. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Nicola Scafetta. He is a doctor and a professor at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill as a visiting lecturer and an adjunct professor at Duke University. He has so much research interest and a lot of experience, and I thought he would be an interesting person to talk to about the role of the sun on climate, as well as issues related to CO2 and other concerns that we have about climate change. He's a contributing author of the book Climate Change Reconsidered, the report of the Non-Governmental International Panel on Climate Change, and he's the author of Climate Changes and Its Causes, a discussion about some key issues, disrupted networks from physics to climate change, along with Bruce West, and Fractal and Diffusion Entropy Analysis of Time Series Theory, Concepts, Applications, and Computer Codes for Studying Fractal Noises and Levy Walk Signals. He's a brilliant man. He's got a lot of courage, and he's really looking at how the sun relates to what's happening on the Earth. His interests are biology, astronomy, climatology, the economy, geology, medicine, and social biology. And he's also currently studying solar and astronomical causes of climate change and modeling on physiological systems for diagnosing hypoxia and hyperoxia risk patients. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Dr. Nicola Scafetta to its rainmaking time. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much for the invitation. I love your accent. <laughs> okay, I am Italian, yes. <laughs> I'm sure that people love to listen to you. I hope so. Thank you. My area of interest and why I really called you is that you had a very profound understanding of the role the sun has on climate change. And I wondered if you could share with our audience how they relate. And then we'll talk about other factors related to climate change. Yes, sure. So sun, I believe that is extremely important. As, as you may uh, know, uh, uh, since the ancient times, people were uh, were understanding that there is a strong relationship between uh, what happens on the sun and and and, and what happens on, on the earth. So uh, a climate, solar climate relation, and uh, and I believe that uh, uh, the the main word that should be used to describe the linking between solar activity and climate is uh, is complexity in the sense that. Uh, uh, the sun can influence the climate in multiple ways. There is not just one way. Okay, so that is uh, the main, the main, the main issue, in my opinion. A issue that uh, is not yet fully uh, understood. Uh, so it is not understood uh, how the sun uh, influences climate, uh, exactly because there are multiple ways how the sun can influence climate. And uh, um, so, um, okay, so we can discuss uh, this way if you would like. I can shortly uh, summarize the several ways how the sun can influence climate. Please and, do. Yes. Okay, so uh, first of all, uh, the sun is uh, influencing climate through its, uh, its uh, luminosity. Okay, so the luminosity is the energy that uh, the sun produces uh, in, uh, in the unit of time, and this energy, so the light essentially, uh, arrives on the earth and warms, uh, the, and warms the earth. Okay, so, so this is um, what people usually know. However, the sun does much more than that. Uh, for example, the sun has also produced also very powerful magnetic fields, and these magnetic fields can interact with the magnetic field of the Earth. And the total effect uh, is uh, um, uh, that uh, cosmic rays uh, that are coming from outside the solar system uh, are influenced by by uh, these magnetic fields produced by the sun. So essentially what happens is that when 
solar activity is strong, these magnetic fields uh, produced by the sun are quite strong, and they uh, work like a shield. Uh, so they shield the, the, the Earth from uh, uh, cosmic ray. When the solar activity is low, uh, uh, the shield is weak, and uh, more cosmic ray arrives uh, on the Earth. So the cosmic ray are important because uh, many people believe that, that they are capable of ionize the atmosphere, so they create... Uh, uh, they break, uh, they break uh, the particles and they form ions. And the ions attract uh, water uh, uh, molecules because water molecules are, are, are polar, okay? And they form, uh, form the droplets, the, the droplets that then form the clouds. So cosmic ray can form, can regulate a little bit the formation of the cloud system. And the cloud system, as everybody knows, is capable to block the sun, okay, to block the light that we receive from the sun. And therefore, and therefore uh, uh, the sun can influence the climate in two uh, different ways. One is uh, through direct solar luminosity, but it can also influence climate indirectly through cosmic ray that regulates the, the cloud system. And uh, both uh, uh, these mechanisms will uh, uh, eventually work for uh, uh, regulating uh, the climate on the Earth. Now, if I may, uh, I can continue a little bit this story, because uh, the crucial point is that uh, so today everybody talks about uh, global warming, climate change, and so on. Uh, everybody is worried about the future. Uh, the problem is that uh, um, the projection about the future, about climate change, are based on climate models that uh, uh, use only one of the uh, two ways in which the sun can influence climate. So they essentially use uh, the sun uh, input just as uh, a luminosity input. However, the other one, the regulation of the cloud system through cosmic ray, may be more important. And, uh, and, that, and that mechanism is missing in the climate model. Therefore, the climate model ends up by uh, uh, underestimating uh, the effect of solar, of solar activity uh, on the climate, just because they use, uh, uh, they model just one mechanism, while we know that there are at least two mechanisms through which the sun can influence climate. Why do you think it is that most of us don't know that most of the concerns about climate have to do with what the modeling is telling us, and then most of us don't know what's being used in the modeling so we can't separate apples from oranges? Yes, so it's exactly. So the problem is that uh, uh, the physics... Uh, uh, so so um, the people who work with the climate models... Uh, are uh, essentially, we can say that they are a kind of uh, um, engineer that work with uh, equations that are already known, and then they put these equations, these physics equations, inside these uh, uh, computer, uh, computer programs, okay? So that is what they do, essentially. The problem is that uh, uh, the equations that regulate, uh, uh, um, that describe the link between solar activity and climate, so for example, that link uh, through cosmic ray, those equations are not yet known, fully known. Therefore, the, uh, the climate modelers are not able to put uh, that information inside uh, they are climate models because they don't have uh, a full set of equations that they can use for 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 modeling for modeling the climate. And then there is also another issue. Before you get to that other issue, I want to stop you on this one thing regarding the cosmic rays. 
Is the fact that they're missing from the climate modeling and part of the equations is because they don't understand cosmic rays enough or because it won't work with their hypothesis? Let us say that uh, right now they don't have the equations. So they are in, in the... In, the impossibility of implementing that information inside the model. So then uh, I don't think that, uh, so um, I cannot say that there is an agenda, political agenda, so people uh, don't, don't even consider the situation because uh, of their political agenda. I believe that, uh, um, so it's very simple, so um, okay. the equation, so the physics does not yet exist. Okay. And 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 they don't don't put the problem is that they should tell it. Uh, so they, that is what perhaps uh, should be. <laughs> so the people should be informed about that. So that is uh, probably uh, their. Uh, um, uh, so so what should be said more often? Like. Okay. Go to your other point you were making. Okay. The, the second point is that the models have another problem, another limitation. Uh, the limitation is that uh, um, uh, these models use a kind of cell. So practically, they cannot model uh, a, a very small uh, region of the Earth. Okay? So what they do is to divide the entire, the entire uh, uh, world, uh, the entire atmosphere, in, in, in cubes. In little cubes, right? Okay. And each cube, and each cube is a unit. Now, the unit, uh, the the size of these cubes, uh, uh, is very big. It may be uh, 100 miles and more. Okay, the, uh, and the clouds, and the clouds are much smaller objects. And therefore, uh, there is another limitation about that. So they are not able to fully model cloud system because uh, the clouds are a too small object compared to the resolution of 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 this uh, of of these models and uh, uh, so this is uh, it is essentially is another limitation that tells us that these models essentially model very poorly the cloud system. The cloud system regulates, uh, uh, can regulate a large amount of, of, of energy. The, the energy that enters inside the, cl the, the, the climate and reaches the Earth. Therefore, as a consequence of this large uncertainty, the climate uh, models uh, present a huge uncertainty. So, for example, I may ask you a question. So, so people uh, are talking about uh, about uh, CO2 as uh, CO2 as something that changes climate. But I would like to ask you this question: Do you know how much is the uncertainty about uh, the effect of CO2 on the climate? The only thing I've learned about CO2 that I can say with clarity is that carbon dioxide acts as food for all plant life. Exactly. So, it's, so that is another issue. But uh, uh, let us uh, address one issue by time, okay? okay? Okay. So first of all, what is the uncertainty associated so, to CO2? So if we double the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere, how much uh, the temperature goes up? Okay, so that is the idea. Right now, uh, uh, the models, uh, the climate models uh, and the study that uh, are done are very uncertain, give a very large uncertainty. So some uh, studies say that uh, the temperature will rise just one uh, Celsius degree. Other studies say that temperature may rise uh, eight, nine Celsius. So practically, there is uh, a very huge... Uh, window, okay, between 1 and 10. The center of this window is about 3, but you understand that there is this huge uncertainty, so uh, the people do not even know exactly what the CO2 is doing to the climate, because if we double the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere, the temperature may rise 1 Celsius, 2 Celsius, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 
Celsius degree, so the people do not even know. But what does that mean? I want to bring you back for a moment. I know you're in the midst of explaining it, but Nicola, what does that mean then? That means that the, the, the error in, in implicit in the climate models is much bigger than the signal they, they want to interpret. The signal is the temperature. So, so this temperature is present patterns. The temperature goes up and down. And, 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 and the, uh, the error associated to, uh, to these models is much, much bigger than the signal. Therefore, the model cannot efficiently interpret the signal. So interpret the temperature. Basically, the models are making such huge errors because they can't interpret the temperature, period. So, exactly. So practically what happens is that if we imagine that the, the sensitivity, the climate sensitivity to CO2 is the low limit, is the one Celsius, as I told you before, the model would not produce any warming during the last century. Instead, if we assume that the sensitivity is, like, for example, 10 Celsius, the model would produce a warming of 3-4 Celsius during the last century, while what is observed is less than 1 Celsius. So practically, we go from zero to a number that is three times, four times more than what has been observed. So, so this is the, the window, the error window, <laughs> implicit in the models used in the IPCC. Therefore, uh, therefore, those models uh, have a too big error uh, to be really efficient in interpreting, in interpreting climate systems. Do you think that climate modeling is a totally inefficient way to look at the future for climate? Is that what you're saying? I believe that those kind of modeling, right. modeling are not efficient. So the modeling that uses uh, uh, computer programs that model all little mechanisms, they try to model the, the complex system starting from all little mechanisms. Okay? So, so, so that approach is not efficient because the error would be too big. It's like, for example, if some physician would like to to, to interpret uh, uh, the physiology of a human by using a computer, a computer model. So that is the, 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 the issue. So it's evident that the complexity of the system is such that it is not possible, it would be not possible for a physician to, to model uh, uh, the entire uh, 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 human body, uh, so human physiology, uh, by starting uh, from uh, from uh, from the cells, uh, from uh, from uh, the the blood flow, so by writing a computer model that try to reproduce the dynamics of the entire system, so it will be inefficient because of the lack of of detailed knowledge and of the uh, chaos and of the uh, so the uncertainty will become bigger and bigger and so. So I believe that is the, the, the approach that, they, that is used, that, that is not efficient, because that approach implies errors that are so big that uh, essentially do not allow the people to correctly interpret the climate system. So, that is, so I need to use another approach. Okay, so what do you recommend? Well, the approach starts to, it's very similar in some sense, let us say, it's very similar to the approach always used, actually. So, so let us start with uh, a very simple example. Historically, so since ancient times, the people were trying to uh, interpret uh, uh, climate by, by studying the geometrical pattern of the climate. So imagine, for example, the ancients. The ancients were creating calendars. Calendars were instruments for uh, in, uh, forecasting climate, right? So they forecast summer, winter, so 
so they will say in six months there will be winter, in six months there will be summer. So there were a kind of very simple instrument for forecasting climate. So this uh, instrument uh, worked perfectly, right? So the calendars uh, uh, work uh, quite well. And, uh, and, and, uh, but uh, the people who have developed those, uh, uh, those, uh, those instruments uh, uh, do not know anything about uh, uh, thermodynamics or about uh, basic physics uh, and so on. So what they were doing was just looking at the data, looking at the nation, and try to reproduce, uh, uh, try to interpret uh, the pattern that they were observing. They were observing a cycle in the in, in, in the in the annual cycle in the in the in everything okay and they were saying that okay there is a annual cycle that we can model in some way and they created the calendars so the idea would be very similar to look at the data and to describe the geometry of the data as we see and to extract the information from the data itself so it's very simple it's what uh, people have always done always studied complex system, look at the system and it works, look at the data, try to interpret uh, the data directly without uh, passing through the microscopic aspect of the system. Okay, so look at the system from the, uh, look at the big picture and then try to interpret. Now, if we do this, if we look, uh, do a phenomenological study of the climate system, uh, what we find, what we find is that the climate is characterized by a cyclical behavior. Okay, there are several kinds of cycles. These cycles are not perfect cycles, are not a perfectly uh, sinusoidal cycle, of course. There, are, there is some noise, there is some chaos, there is some irregularity. But uh, essentially, it's... Uh, is quite, uh, is quite, uh, is, is almost periodic. So, what are the major cycles? And here is where the sun is very important, okay, because these cycles are found in solar activity. Now, first of all, there is a big cycle which is about uh, 1,000 years. Now, historically, these cycles is very well known. All his old culture are talking about a 1,000-year cycle somewhere in, in, in the life, uh, human history, human life. Now, this cycle is, is observed in the solar data and is observed in the climate data. In particular, we know that uh, 2,000 years ago, when the Roman Empire was at its top, the climate was relatively warm. That period is called the warm Roman period. After that, so about uh, um, 1,500 years ago, we know that there was uh, the Dark Age. That period is called Dark Age Cold Period. So practically there was uh, a decrease of the temperatures, there was a cooling period, and, uh, and so, um, so many things happened, including the the, the, so, um, the Roman Empire collapsed also for the invasion of the people from the north, they were migrating south and so on because it was too cold and so on. Then uh, during the Middle Age, 1,000 years ago, the temperature went up again and uh, we have the period that is known as uh, medieval warm period. The medieval warm period, correct? Yes, okay. yes, yes medieval. Then uh, there was uh, another period of, of cooling that is known as the Little Ice Age. It was around 13,000 to 18,000, okay? And then uh, since uh, it's 18,000, so since two three, two, two, three centuries, the temperature started to go up again. And now we are in one of the, uh, of the maxima uh, of, of the climate. So we, have, uh, we are uh, uh, experiencing a warm period. Now, so we have this 1,000-year uh, cycle that is quite clear in the data, at least uh, 2,000 years of data that we have. Uh, so uh, the probability that the cycle repeats and uh, so, uh, so that the, the, this cycle now should start to go down, okay? So before or later we start to go down. So... Uh, it will it, it will associate to another cooling period. So the warming observed during the last uh, century, 
during the last uh, two centuries and so on, is very likely part of this uh, 1,000-year cycle. Okay? But that is one contribution, and it's just one aspect. There are other cycles. One other, another cycle that is observed in the solar data is uh, a 200-250 year cycle. And this cycle too, so this cycle was producing a little ice ages, a very uh, period of cooling uh, that are known as Mauder Minimum, Dalton Minimum, and so on. So that period of 30, 40 years of very uh, cold period, or 30, 40 years of cold period on the Earth. Can I ask you to explain one part of this, though? With a Dalton minimum, or what is it, Meander minimum, does it mean that there's very little sunspot activity? What does it mean? Yes, exactly. So during that period, this Dalton minimum or Mauder minimum, the solar was quite uh, was quiet. Okay, so there were no sunspots observed on the surface of the sun. So very little. So very little sunspot. The sunspot are the one that uh, indicate the presence of very strong. Uh, magnetic field. So when the sunspots are absent, the magnetic field produced by the sun is weak. And as I told you before, when the, the magnetic field of the sun, sun is weak, there is uh, there are more, more clouds on the Earth, and therefore the temperature goes down. Okay, so that is uh, so there were so the, the, so during those period. Uh, of um, when the sun did not produce the sunspot, the the temperature uh, of the Earth uh, goes down. Down. My question to you is, where is the sun at right now? Right now, the sun is entering in another of these minima. Another minimum. Another, another minimum, like Dalton minimum or uh, Mauder minimum. Do you know when it began to enter that? It is just entered now. It may last for 30 years, 40 years, and so on. Uh, so I, be I believe that in, until 2000, 2060, the sun may, may be relatively low. So, uh, so now the sun is entering, uh, in my opinion, is entering in one of these uh, minima that will last... Uh, uh, yeah, it will last 30, 40 years, uh, something like that. So my question to you then is, since we've seen this as a cyclical event and we've watched it for 2,000 years, and when there's less activity, we're closer to a little ice age or it gets cooler, yeah. are you concerned that we could, it's been really cold all over the world, are you concerned that we could enter or some places on Earth enter a little ice age? I believe that there may be this, this possibility. Now, there is a, uh, we need uh, still to uh, clearly understand what the CO2 is doing. In my opinion, because those models uh, did not model the cloud system well, they have uh, overestimating the, the warming produced by the CO2. Uh, so, in my opinion, uh, the warming uh, predicted by those models should be reduced by factor 3, 4, something like that. So, the CO2 will increase, continue to increase, so it will also uh, will, uh, warm a little bit the climate. But, as, uh, as you say, the sun may, 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 uh, may, the solar activity may go down, and that uh, I would be more concerned with. And so I believe that there may be the possibility that the temperature, the global temperature, will not rise, at least. It may remain stable if we are lucky, or may go down a little bit. So, so there may be a, a, a moderate cooling that we already have observed since 2002. So since 2002, the temperature did not go up. The temperature went a little bit down, and uh, and so uh, so we are ju just on the top of the cycle. Okay. When you say since 2002 the temperature has gone down, you know all of the should I say propaganda out there is saying that the temperature has gone up. That 2010 was the hottest in years. Where are you getting your data from? 
No, 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 I, I are more or less the same data. The problem is that in 2010, so there are events, the temperature is not really smooth, there are uh, uh, fluctuations that are due to El Nino, El Nina, so these events, no, these events that are fluctuations that last one, two years, okay? Uh, now, in 2010, there was this, uh, this uh, a peak, a peak of, of, of warming due to the, these fluctuations that last just two years. But now that peak is ended. Now, now uh, the, the, the temperature is going down quite fast. Uh, so um, so the, the temperature will still go up and down. Okay? So you may find one year, two years of warm, but the trend uh, uh, during the last uh, uh, 10 years is uh, almost stable almost stable, perhaps a little bit down, if we look at the 10-year trend. Very little, but it's... Uh, and then there are other problems, because the people who have said that there was... Uh, that the 2010 was the warmest uh, year of the history, something like that, um, indeed, um, are, 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 is the group of, of, of the geese of the NASA that are producing data here in America. However, there is the other group in England uh, uh, that produce temperature records that, in my opinion, are maybe better than the one used by NASA for uh, some technical reason. They have more data and so on. Um, and f there is a difference between, a little difference between the temperature reconstructed by the NASA group and the temperature reconstructed by by this group uh, at, uh, in England, and uh, um, according to the data from England, uh, uh, so it is not true that 2010 was the warmest year. Uh, so it's, 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 relatively, it's relatively lower than what the NASA group uh, say. So uh, there are differences in the, in the data. So not all groups agree with, with each other. There are slight differences. But the important thing is to look at the trend, not just a peak of war. 2010 was, at the beginning of 2010, was a, a peak of war, a war associated to the El Nino. Nina, Nino. Uh, now the, that warming is gone. And the temperature, and the temperature is going down. Isn't it more scary to have the world get colder because it disrupts the ability for agriculture to happen smoothly? Yes, I believe so. I believe that the cold, uh, cold. Uh, so historically, people have always worried about cold period, not warm period. Historical, that is what happened. So historically, every time that the, the Earth experienced a cold period, there were problems everywhere. While uh, uh, during warm period, we have the development of the civilization. The reason is that during warm period, uh, there is more rain because there is more evaporation, right? and therefore there is more rain. The agriculture works better because there is also a little bit more sun. Uh, so more rain and more sun means um, more, uh, more products. Okay? You can produce more food for everybody. And uh, so usually, uh, usually it is better for humanity. I would be more scared about uh, imminent uh, cooling than uh, imminent imminent warming, because if there is a cooling, there may be people uh, on the earth, in particular the poor countries, so I don't think the United States will suffer much, okay, so it's not a problem, United States problem, it's a problem for the, the poor country in the, on, around the earth, they may have less food, so in Africa, in, in Asia, and so on, okay, in Asia, they may have more food, less food, that uh, may create a huge problem because there will be unrest and so on. Uh, so somebody... So. What is a phenomenological model? I told you, so it's a model that try to understand the cycles, try to model the cycles. Okay, so that's what it is. That's what it's called. It's a 
study the phenomenon. Study the right. phenomenon as it appears. So the phenomenon presents cycles. So there are these secular cycles, 1,000 year cycle. There is uh, some uh, um, 2,000, uh, actually 100, 200 year cycle. There is also a 60 year cycle in the temperature that appears to be quite evident. So, for example, the warm uh, warming that has been observed from the 70s to 2000 is very likely grand part of it is like is part of a 60-year cycle. So what we observe is, if you look at my picture, uh, so what is observed from the data is that uh, there was a warming uh, be uh, between uh, um, uh, 1850 and 1880, then there was a cooling between 1880 and uh, 1910, then there was a warm, a warming between 1910 and 1940, a cooling between 1940 and 1970, a warming between 1970 and 2000, and now there is a, a, a new, a new, a new cooling. So this is a 60-year cycle. 60-year cycle is found in many, in many data. And, uh, and is found in, in, in astronomical data, is found in the solar activity, is found in, in the oscillations of the solar system. And so it's found uh, in many places, including calendars. Ancient calendars from Chinese are organized in 60-year cycle. So it's found more or less everywhere. And uh, um, this is one of the cycles, big cycles that... Uh, Quantum models, for example, do not reproduce, and uh, uh, so um, so uh, because they are missing this cycle, uh, they interpret the warming between 70 and 2000 as due to CO2. However, uh, however, uh, if there is a natural cycle or 60 years natural cycle, grand part of that warming is due to this natural cycle and not to CO2. Do you think that the sea is rising? Mm -hmm. See, okay, the sea is rising, but that is a process that lasts uh, since uh, ten, since fifty thousand years. So it's rising uh, since uh, the end of the glaciation, great glaciation. Now the the ocean uh, is actually decelerating now. It's rising a little bit, but the acceleration is slightly negative. So practically, it is uh, the rate is decreasing a little bit. Um, right now, so probably, so what is observed from the data is that there is a, a that there is a, a big acceleration of the ocean since uh, the 16th, uh, 17th century. The 17th century, the 17th century was a period of um, it was the center of the Little Ice Age. So the things were quite frozen. Then, when the Little Ice Age ended, uh, okay, the, the the glaciers started to melt. Of course, the, the, the ocean rise a little bit. And so we, we observe a strong acceleration of these uh, things. But uh, since, uh, uh, since probably 1920, 1930 and so on, the acceleration became negative. So practically it is, uh, it is slowing down. It is not going up. No, it is, the acceleration is not positive. It's not uh, uh, pointing up. It is pointing a little bit down. So, uh, so, um, so, so this is also so. Also, this is a contradiction between the data and what the models say. The models are talking about this positive acceleration in the in the in, in the level of the oceans that would be very problematic for the cost and so on. However, the data uh, show a, a negative acceleration that started at least uh, 80 years ago. And uh, so, uh, so um, I believe that uh, uh, the ocean will still continue to rise, but uh, not too much. Okay, so I calculated here in North Carolina from the data that we have in Wilmington. I calculated that for 2000, uh, for the uh, see, 2100, so at the end, of, uh, so by 2100, the ocean may rise by uh, 10, 20 centimeters, uh, while uh, the programs 
the computer models uh, have predicted the one meter. Okay, so we are talking about five times less, uh, five, ten times less than what uh, forecasted. That's uh, pretty profound. But, uh, so that is, uh, is, is, is a problem. So it's evident that if the climate models uh, cannot be trusted because they do not, uh, do not uh, reproduce correctly the past climate, so f do not reproduce the cycles, uh, do not reproduce uh, other things, uh, uh, have always failed in, in predicting anything. So there is not one thing that the climate models have predicted, not one. So the, the efficiency. So it's evident that then all these projections about the future are uh, all uh, very hypothetical. Uh, so, so how can we trust uh, the, uh, this future scenario? Uh, while the models do not reproduce the past climate. So that is the, the, the one big issue. So uh, I believe that uh, about the oceans, yes, it is rising, but um, the data show a, a deceleration, uh, and um, it will continue to rise, but uh, not so much as uh, claimed. Has the sea ever lowered? The level uh, oscillates, of course, it's not smooth, okay? It oscillates every year, they change, of course. But it's oscill the oscillations are quite large. So one year may be quite relatively high, another year may be relatively low. So it's not smooth, it's very, there are big oscillations. Uh, of, uh, the ocean were lower in the past, so when there was uh, the, the big glaciations, the big glaciations, uh, the ocean was low because uh, the water was frozen on the mountain. Uh, so that is uh, what was happening. Got it. Then there are other reasons. So the ocean goes up not only because uh, there is more water in the ocean, so there are other reasons why the ocean goes up and down. So practically there is water that moves from the, from the equator to the, to the pole. So when it, the warming time, so, so, so when it is warmer, Okay, in the world. So what happens is that the more water uh, moves from the equator to the pole, okay? So it moves north or south. So there is uh, this kind of movement that brings more water um, you know, toward the, toward the, the, the north, uh, toward the poles, and also so there is an increase. So, there is, so the process is quite complex. So what's your concern now? What kind of things are you working on right now? Yes, right now I am working on, uh, on understanding uh, the oscillations of solar activity. So I believe that the oscillations that we observe in the solar activity are driven, partially driven by the attractions of the planets. So the planets produce uh, tides on the sun, right? So it's like the moon that produces tides on the earth. Uh, also, the planets are able to produce tides uh, on, the on the sun. These tides are very small, but still may be significant. So I am trying to understand that issue, because if uh, the tides, uh, because the tides are produced by the planets, they uh, are very regular. Are, are, are relatively regular because the planets move around the sun in periodic, uh, periodic, uh, in periodic way, right? So they are relatively rare. And therefore, if we succeed to understand how, uh, uh, the link, if a link exists, then we will be able to understand the solar variation and we will be able to understand, uh, to forecast the climate change, uh, the, the solar uh, dynamics. If we forecast, uh, oh, so we are trying to model solar forecast. If we are able to forecast solar activity, we may be able also to forecast climate change. Do you think that there are other people, other scientists, who are interested in what you're interested in? But there are uh, a few groups uh, that are working on this issue around the world. So this is a very old theory. It's not a new theory. It's a very, very old theory that was already advanced uh, in the 19th century, so the people have uh, tried to to uh, address this theory because we observe a lot of evidences, empirical evidences that the planets are are influencing solar activity. Do you mean electromagnetically? Um, 
How do you mean? Gravitational. Gravitational. It may also be a um, magnetic field coupling. I don't know yet, but uh, probably gravitationally for sure because uh, the, the gravity is there. <laughs> so the gravity of, 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 of the planets uh, is, is everywhere in the solar system. Right? So uh, they are essentially shaking the sun. The sun is not uh, at rest, as people may believe. Okay, the sun... Uh, is, uh, is, is wobbling, is wobbling around uh, the center of mass of the solar system. Uh, so it is wobbling, it's moving in a very complex way around this, uh, the center of the solar system. And, uh, and that is due to the planets, uh, Jupiter, Saturn, no, the other planets that are moving around. So it is shaken, it's continuously, it's continuously shaken by, by, by the planets. And it is observed that uh, there is links, there are links between solar activity and the planetary position. No? So, for example, when, uh, when the planets are closer to the sun, uh, the, the gravities are stronger and uh, solar activity may go up or something like that, a little bit. So that is what is observed usually. So the problem is that historically the people have never really solved the problem, completely solved the problem, from a physical perspective, so the issue has not been uh, um, uh, fully addressed. You know, because people uh, were more interested in just understanding solar activity as an isolated system. That's an extremely interesting point that you're making. How will this be funded? Which? What? My research? Yeah. My, uh, right now... Uh, I told you that I am working with uh, uh, the, the, um, uh, this uh, ACRIM group. Uh, ACRIM group uh, is a group on, on, uh, that studies solar irradiance uh, by uh, so, um, solar luminosity that is founded by NASA. Okay? Uh, so there is a little bit of funding from, from, from NASA that I got in the past through the ACRIM group. Uh, indeed, they are not big funding, so we don't get big funding for this kind of research, so I don't have big funding, but uh, so still uh, I may get something about that. I hope in the future that uh, to get uh, better funding, so they, so, because I believe that this kind of research should be, should be uh, standard. much more, much more. So right now there is almost nothing. Almost nothing because uh, uh, I do not know why. Because there are uh, so so I do not know because um, there is almost uh, the the impression, in my opinion, uh, diffuse the impression that the people who work with computer models are people that are doing serious things, while people who study the data and uh, try to interpret uh, the data. Uh, they are not doing uh, some serious job. Okay, so, however, I so uh, since 20, 30 years, uh, most of the funding was moved toward people who work uh, with uh, uh, computer models, uh, computer quantum models, so these kind of things, and uh, people who were studying the data, observing the data, interpreting the data, and so on. So they were doing this uh, kind of uh, observational science, uh, describing, so describing nature, essentially. They didn't get uh, funding. How long do you think it would take if you had all the money that was needed? To, for, to, to see whether, whether the models work. Uh, well, of course, uh, there is, uh, the, the model should be tested on the past data. So, so if you create a model for forecasting, you can always test the model on the past. So you can imagine to be in, 18, in 1980 and then see whether the model is capable to forecast the data since 1980. I'm more talking about if you had the funds that you wanted and needed to look at the different planets' relationship on the climate, how long would it take you to know what those relationships are? Ah, no, no, I don't know. I hope uh, that these things uh, will need. So, uh, 
always few years, at least we need to start with a few years of study, one, two years, two, two three years of study. So usually the funding uh, of a project uh, lasts uh, three years, the basic. So then people see whether or not the project uh, uh, works, okay? And then if it works, then uh, there is uh, additional funding. Uh, so, they, so that is how it, it, it works usually. How much money is needed for the funding of the next level of your research with the planets and their impacts on climate? Is there a number? Yeah, so the funding is basic funding for researchers. Uh, basic funding for researchers may be around $100,000 uh, 100, per year. So it depends on where you... So if you do that through the university... The university takes uh, half of that money because there are uh, no, so your, your, your university takes part of the money of the funding is about forty percent goes to the university. So, so usually uh, the basic research to uh, cost, uh, cost around one hundred thousand dollars per year. So this is the basis. So every got you, got you. Get, uh, that much. So it's not a huge amount of funding, it's, but it's still necessary to get it done. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us to complete the show? I just uh, hope, uh, so I would like to thank you for, uh, for this uh, um, possibility because I believe that it's very important. Uh, this is a very important issue. It's very important uh, for people to know that uh, there are uh, new theories that are coming out that scientists uh, are not monolithic. So uh, scientists have different ideas and that uh, um, some scientists uh, like me uh, um, believe that the climate should be interpreted in a different way. And uh, personally, I believe that my models are uh, right now able to reconstruct uh, uh, temperature quite well. Um, and uh, um, probably they are good, are correct. So um, I just would like to thank you because uh, I believe that the people... Uh, need to know about these things. People may simply go to my website where they can download papers, scientific papers. Absolutely. We'll send them to your link at Duke University, your website with Duke University in Durham. And thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Nicola Scafetta. We hope you come back in the future. Thank you again. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.